Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, September 17th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. As James promised, we will remind you about Broadway Radio's Patreon at the top and bottom yes. of every show. So this is your routine reminder to head over to the Patreon and uh, see if you're interested in contributing a little bit. James is working on some incentives. He has the different tiers. He's working on some incentives for mm. each of those levels. So check that out at patreon.com. Reminder number one. Broadway Radio. Yes, reminder number one. We'll check off the other one at the end. Ashley, you told me before we started recording that you had not been on Twitter much on Monday. Yes, Which is a you. good thing. Yeah. So you did not see this tweet oh boy. from... Uh, Adam Roberts at, at Hey Adam Roberts, who is a is it more uh, hate a, mail for me? No, 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 no. It's a <laughs> he's a a writer and he hosts a podcast called Lunch Therapy, but he screenshotted a uh, a, a post from not Broadway World's message board, the other message board on Broadway, all that chat. Oh, I know um, exactly what you're talking about because it's been going around for a couple days. Yeah, yeah. I am. <sighs> just going to tell you i'm not going to discuss the contents of uh-huh. this post and again this is not from hey adam roberts right. it's just this tweet was getting sent around um look it up if you want but i am warning the, you uh, subject you... is the weirdest uh audience interaction oh, yeah. or whatever something similar to that yeah, weird weirdest audience behavior yes. ever perhaps betrayal wednesday night i will just tell you uh i did not see that one coming <laughs> <laughs> Ayo. Sorry, that was too much. That was that wrong. <laughs> That's a little too much. Okay. Anyway, Tom, let's Tom move Hiddleston, on and just Tom Hiddleston saw it coming twice. Uh, okay, and we're done. All right, let's move on to some news, <laughs> Ashley. We are going to start off with the reviews for Darren Brown Colon Secret on Broadway. This is the Drama Desk winning show that is uh part storytelling, part uh illusion. Featuring the aforementioned Darren Brown. It was directed by Andrew O'Connor and Andy Nyman. Nyman co-wrote it with Darren Brown and O'Connor. Uh, this has got a ton of really big name producers. The top line is J.J. Abrams, Thomas Kale, Jeffrey Seller. The very last one on that list is our friend Oliver Roth. So full disclosure there, he is included. The show is currently running through January 4th at the Court Theater. And I will tell you, Ashley... Despite the fact that this got rave reviews when it was off Broadway at the Atlantic Theater two years ago, it mm. won a drama desk. Right. Uh, I didn't. I did not expect the reviews to be this rapturous. Starting off with Ben Brantley from the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick, he wrote, "Quote, and how about yeah? How about that extraordinary finale? That's his words, in which six audience members help Mr. Brown finally disclose the secret that gives the show its title." Like the concluding scene of a Shakespearean romance, it interlaces a variety of jangling, disparate elements into the semblance of cosmic harmony. And God help me, I found myself in happy tears at a magic show. I was not aware that Mr. Brantley had any emotions, um, so this is very interesting. <laughs> Your words, not mine. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, anyway, moving on. Adam Feldman from Time Out in New York gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, The secret of secret success lies not in the big reveal tent poles of the act, which are highly skillful variations of standard mentalist routines, but in the partly improvised patter that cloaks them in genuine risk and spontaneity. When, when things don't go perfectly smoothly, 
Eventually, when the good-natured and self-assured Brown bobbles a prediction or two, the hitches only add to the tension and impressiveness of what he is doing, as when a juggler's dropped ball reminds you how many are still in the air. The show leaves you in a state of joyful bafflement. Can you believe it? You don't have to. And that's the fun. It's a con game, and Brown is a consummate professional. Charles Isherwood, uh, writing for Broadway News, said, quote, Among the most appealing aspects of Brown's show is the affability and even humility of the man himself. Although he is natally dressed in a blue three-piece suit for the first act and white tie and tails for the second, Brown's show is less a spectacle than a theatrical investigation into the mysterious workings of the human mind and its susceptibility to artful and sometimes even artless manipulation and suggestion. I am sure there is some old-fashioned intricate trickery involved in some of Brown's more stupendous feats. One passage involves a classic locked box trick. But for the most part, Brown's achievement involves the subtler and even stranger art of peering into the minds of audience members. And parenthetically, volunteers all <laughs> volunteers all for the audience participation wary and extracting <laughs> from them answers he seemingly has no way of knowing. I personally thank Mr. Isherwood for putting that caveat in there because I do not like audience participation mm. at all. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, cosine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but these reviews are fantastic. Actually, I, I might have to add this to my November list. I've talked about how much I enjoyed uh, in and of itself right. off Broadway. Yeah. Um, this seems to have some similar elements while the, uh, I think the, the, the tricks, so to speak, seem to be different. The fact that you're talking about, the mind and interpersonal, you know, communication, so to speak, is very much in line with that. I love that. Mm -hmm. So this is very, very interesting to me. Yeah, I'm very surprised, I guess, because it's uh, out of my alley, not a show I would typically be running to the box office for tickets for, as we've talked about when we've talked about magic or illusion shows in the past. But yeah, it's very hard to ignore these reviews and not be at least a little curious. The phrase from the second review, joyful bafflement, especially gets me. <laughs> that's that. That's kind of my favorite stuff. Joyful, joyful bafflement. bafflement like, yeah. Like I kind of love that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, get your tickets. It's running through January 4th at the court theater. Um, and actually just real quick aside mm. here, I see that the wonderful journalistic publication that is page six mm. has has picked up the story that we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Oh, so boy. <laughs> if anyone doesn't want to search for that tweet, just head over to page six. Most hey. of their stuff is babbling, and I can't understand what they're trying to say anyway because they don't use actual normal sentence construction. But I think you'll get the picture. Anywho, talking about a completely different audience-related controversy... Uh, Ashley, this one is a little messy, but try to follow me. On Sunday, slave play author Jeremy O. Harris tweeted, quote, Two things I learned today about the type of theater maker I am. When my idol texts that she's running late, I hold the curtain for her. When my idol texts me during a play I've written, I respond. This was in response to Rihanna seeing Slave play on Sunday. And as I think we've discussed on this show, the pop star's music is used in the show, as are her Mm -hmm. lyrics. Over the summer, Harris interviewed Riri for a profile in the New York Times. I think I said Vogue the other day. It was the New York Times. Uh, And he considers her the patron saint of his Broadway debut show. 
But as fans began to chastise Harris, both for holding the curtain for what I can tell was about 10 to 15 extra minutes. Um, and then to text during the show and not to publicly scold Rihanna, uh, that she shouldn't be texting in the show like Lin-Manuel Miranda did when Madonna was texting during Hamilton. Um, a lot of people started to come after O'Harris. And if you, O'Harris, like his name's Irish, Jeremy O'Harris. O is his middle initial. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Harris. The famous Irish playwright, Jeremy Yes, O'Harris. famous. <laughs> yes, uh, they're going to be doing uh, a revival of Slave Play at Irish Rep here any year now. Um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so sorry about that. Uh, Harris tweeted, the patron saint of the play I wrote is literally a pop star, fashion icon, and demigoddess named Rihanna. Her words are all over it. She's a ninth character in the play. When Dionysus is coming, you hold the curtain. From there, other theater makers started joining the discussion, uh, including Stephanie Yabara, who just left uh, the public theater as an associate artistic director uh, earlier this year to become the AD at Baltimore Center Stage. She tweeted, quote, can we stop being so precious about the way audiences choose to engage with our shows, asking for the future of our art form? She was obviously res- referencing the texting part of O'Hara's statement, to which... Uh, Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nottage replied to Yabara saying, quote, good to know I can use the cell phone during your show. Sometimes that grocery list can't wait. While tons of other tweets and posts continued to fly on Monday, Ashley Harris wrapped up his position, tweeting, quote, it's not bad behavior to sing along during a musical if the spirit possesses you to. Theater was literally made to be a party, not a funeral. Now, for Harris and apparently Yabara, this seems to be a similar issue to what I discussed with Dominique Moriso on the Tony Omnibus episode about allowing audience members to engage with theater the way that it is natural and authentic to them. Many people do not see using your cell phone as the same thing here, Ashley, and I'm not coming down on either side of this. Um, I think it's a, a more complicated issue than that because so much of this is the call and response side of things and, and vocalizing your appreciation or disapproval of a show is entrenched in racial and cultural and socioeconomic issues Um, and i'm certainly not going to tell an african-american playwright in his broadway debut how he should or should not handle his own show so that's not that's not for me to do that's that's a lot of what it comes down to for me yeah you have someone you have someone who's incredibly excited at this moment and what may or may not be a once in a lifetime moment it's a once in a lifetime moment the fact that it's his first show yeah, you kind of you kind of gotta let him have a moment. Well, and he's having a moment on on Twitter by inviting people to the invited dress and and doing all these great things. But to me, it comes down to just for me personally. Obviously, show, uh, phones in plays when people are using them in the audience that's distracting. It can be annoying, and maybe it's even disrespectful. But a few years ago, I made the con- conscious decision to not let it distract me. Obviously, I can't help but notice when it happens, but I used to sit there and silently fume over it and hope that my righteous indignation would burrow into the offending audience member's brain to know just how angry some random white dude behind them was. (laughs) But then I realized that I was really only impacting myself and the only person's experience that was being harmed by my feeling that way was mine. And it wasn't going to change the behavior of anyone else. Um, So I just decided that if I'm distracted momentarily, I'm distracted, but I don't let it take me out of the show or the moment. So I get both sides of this. Um, I think that there is a a bit of 
insensitivity to other people around you when you have your phone light up um, at the brightest brightness. Um, I get that, but I, you know, but we're not putting the genie back in the bottle when it comes to cell phones, unless every show in every theater around the world goes with those yonder pouches. So it's up to each individual just to decide how they want to react to these things. If you don't like it, move on. Yeah, I saw a lot about this as it's been going on over the past couple of days, both on Twitter and on Facebook from both audience members and playwrights that I follow. I think as far as the curtain goes, whatever, I can't remember the last time I've seen a show that actually started on time. So <laughs> you're going to... Yeah, Rudin, yeah Rudin's, show, Rudin's pretty strict on that. Everybody else, it's a five to ten minute delay right, right. every performance. Yeah, which, uh, trust me, I'm very thankful for as someone who relies on the MTA. I do think there's been a lot of <laughs> interesting conversations going on as far as what it means to make theater accessible for new audiences and how to keep the medium going. You know, I think as far as what I mentioned a lot, the complaint as far as Harris using his phone is the worry that it will set a precedent. But certain audience members, certain actors are going to react in different ways. I mean, see Patty Lapone, for instance, the biggest instance. There's a huge conversation we need to have about accessibility in terms of physical accessibility and why people are using phones in the middle of the show, if they need to use phones in the middle of the show. And then you have to rely on you know, the policing of that. So I think we all just kind of need to have a conversation as far as we need to be a little bit more lenient of certain behaviors in the theater. Because A, people, to get younger audiences in, I think we have to face the fact that they're not going to shut off their phone for two hours. And for the most part, most adults aren't going to as well. I think most of the violators of phones going off in the theater I've ever seen are older audiences. But then, yeah. Well, I was to say, there's another component to this as well, because if you've seen Slave Play or heard anything about mm-hmm. it, there there is some nudity in this show. Sure. So I think there is a component of that as well, where you have written a show where you are asking aud- pretty much the majority of your cast to engage, not necessarily nudity. I think there's only one actor who actually does. But I mean, a lot of them are in fairly intense, um, you know, performances um you know that have some sort of sexual component and i think there is that we had that same kind of discussion um around uh, uh frankie and johnny in the florida Donald, lee yeah. uh yeah with audra and i think that's another part of this it's very complicated and that's why i didn't want to kind of go off on a soapbox about anybody because i think that right ev- both sides have very legitimate arguments here and the only thing that i can control is how i react to it so that's you know Yes, I think, I think both sides are very valid. I have my personal, you know, my personal side to it. But as an overall situation, it is a conversation we need to have going Mm. forward in theater and physical, like I said, physical accessibility as a whole. It's one of those things I think you can kind of lump into certain rules certain shows have about you can't leave your seat during the middle of the show or you will not be allowed back into the theater scott rudin yep as soon as you mentioned scott rudin the first time i can just feel my teeth clenching (laughs) but you know i i think it all lumps into that and i think that's i don't know if that's a conversation that theater is ready to have yet but it's one that we all need to start having about how we keep the medium going and what that looks like for certain audiences and how you test that out even, because it's something that you will have to test out, especially as far as phones go. 
I, I think if theater is not ready to have that conversation, that conversation will be had for them. Yep. And, uh, and uh, so I hundred percent. So I think they need to get to the forefront of this. Yes. But anyway, let's move on, Ashley. Let's actually talk about last week's Broadway grosses. Thanks to four new shows on the boards, Broadway rebounded up 12% or $3.13 million over the previous week, which did include Labor Day weekend, so keep that in mind. But those four new shows aren't the only reason that things picked up, as 22 of the 25 returning shows saw week-over-week increases. The biggest non-preview performance jump uh, went to Tootsie, which saw nearly $193,000 in new sales, followed by Betrayal at $180K, Come From Away at $131K, and Beautiful at $105K. This continues a trend that we see pretty much every year, that when tourist families stop coming to town as summer ends, the adult shows that rely more on middle-age bridge and tunnel types begin to pick up at the box office. That's why I always thought that if Beautiful closed, it would close in January because it normally does much better in the fall than it does in the summer. I was wrong, though, because Beautiful's closing in October. Anyway, now, about those four new shows, Freestyle Love Supreme did 392,000 in four performances. Slave Play did 307,000 in six performances, but it actually did like 98 seven percent um capacity so it had a 65 dollar um average ticket which jeremy o harris o period (laughs) harris um was actually very proud of on twitter talking about how they worked to make the show as accessible to as many different people as possible so he was very proud of that fact then uh we had the height of the storm at mtc was at 284k in seven shows and the sound inside did 152k in a pair of performances hamilton who was one of those three shows that saw a weekly number in the red was on top with two million nine hundred four thousand four hundred forty seven dollars followed by moulin rouge at 2.18 million and then to kill a mockingbird the lion king ain't too proud Wicked, Town, Aladdin, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Book of Mormon, and Dear Evan Hansen, all in seven figures. Down at the other end of the scale, the sound inside, unsurprisingly, was at the bottom since they only did two shows. But then the aforementioned Darren Brown colon secret was next, having 258k in seven performances, six previews, one main, uh, one regular show. The Great Society was at 413,000 as it moved to its first eight-show week. Uh, overall, Ashley, nothing was super noteworthy beyond mm. that. But right. I will say as a whole, capacity for all of Broadway was at 94.5% and gross potential was at 77.5%. Mm. Not bad numbers for so many, having so many shows in preview. Sure. So I'm actually, I think that's actually pretty good. If you've got total capacity um, right under 95% and your gross potential is more than three quarters, I think that's probably... Uh, and pretty pre- good things and for everybody. Previews, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. I think the next couple of weeks are going to be very interesting as all these shows open up. I don't know if the box office knows exactly what to do with itself. <laughs> yeah, I think there will be a little bit of cannibalizing uh, <laughs> each other to see what happens. Yes. But. All right, let's wrap up the show with these two bits of news. First up, without a press release, the upcoming Scott Rudin-produced uh, revival of Edward Albee's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf began selling tickets this past weekend for performances to be held at... The Booth Theater, which was never confirmed in any press release. We talked about the show last week, but noted that no theater had yet been confirmed. Well, now it has. Tickets are on sale now with performances beginning March 2nd. 
And finally, in incredibly disappointing news, Ashley, the best working critic in New York theater, Sarah mm-hmm. Holdren, announced that she will be stepping away from her position as the theater critic for New York Magazine and Vulture at the end of this month to focus her attention on directing, which is, after all, the top line on her business card. Anyway, uh, Ashley, I am really sad to be losing Sarah's perspective from the cultural discussion of New York theater, um, but... I'm also excited to be seeing what she's going to bring to that discussion yes. as a director. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, bottom line, as someone who works in arts journalism, go forth and be free, Sarah. <laughs> as, uh, I, I think the directing side might be a little bit more, what's the word, <laughs> emotionally fruitful, yes. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I do hope that whatever the New York magazine slash vulture decides to do with this position Mm. that they follow the trend of a um, getting someone who's not a white man for this role, whomever that might be. But I also really appreciate. Yeah. I really appreciate the fact that they did not go in a safe and traditional route with someone they hired. Uh, Sarah Holdren for being a woman is obviously very rare when you get a major New York theatrical criticism job. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she really wasn't a journalist, wasn't really a critic before that, I think is super interesting. So I'm going to be paying a close attention to what Vulture does to replace Holdren in this job. I hope to continue to actually see some risks in the theater journalism world, especially at Vulture. I think Vulture does a great job with their theater work, theater journalism as a whole. So I at least have hope for that position. I mean, maybe just give it to Natalie Walker. She already writes. Oh yeah, culture. there you I'm go. Just you know, anyway. <laughs> she and Bonnie have that other show coming up, uh, uh, Halloween just, now. Yeah, they're, 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 they'll be, be very busy, good together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Ashley. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No. This is Ashley. Don't forget patreoncom slash radio. There two. will be. Yeah, number two. Um, <laughs> there will be some sort of incentives lined up whenever James figures out what those are. So we genuinely and sincerely appreciate all Absolutely. of the generosity that people have shown us thus Thank far over the past few days. Um, but we'll have more information on that as it becomes available. Until then, we will be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>